Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Jim McGregor, and I'm joined today by my colleague Francis Sadeco. Now, both of us had the opportunity to attend the Qualcomm Snapdragon Technology Summit in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. And one of the major announcements there was around augmented reality. Now, I'm excited about this because augmented reality is kind of unlike virtual reality where it's kind of closed off. Augmented reality is really that thing from spy movies and sci-fi where you get real live and hopefully real-time information directly in front of your eyes through glasses. So it can tell you, you know, who you're looking at or what you're looking at or give you information, tell you what communications are coming in, whatever. So it's an exciting area, not just for consumers, but also for industrial. Yeah, I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to it, Jim, because uh, it'll help me get smarter. To be honest with you, <laughs> and Francis, why don't you go over the announcements that uh, Qualcomm made? Just to summarize the what, what they announced was the Snapdragon AR2 Gen 1 platform, which is the next generation platform for these types of devices. It's really a three-chip module, and one of the big things that they emphasized is a distributed architecture. And it wasn't just a distributed architecture in terms of the devices, which that is a big change in philosophy where they envision something like an AR glass connected to a host device, whether it's a smartphone, a PC, or maybe potentially in the future, even a cloud network. So there's that part of the distributed architecture that they announced. But even within the chipset, the electronics in the AR glass, they announced a distributed architecture of instead of having a single chip solution like the XR2 was, which was the previous generation of these types of silicon from Qualcomm, it actually had three different modules. One was an AR processor, an AR coprocessor, and then a communications module. So I think this is actually the beginning of a, a pretty big game changer if it gets adopted. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along here. To explain to the listeners why this is important, because typically when you're trying to develop these classes, you got to figure out where you're going to put a battery, where you're going to put the chip, how you're going to wire everything together. And the only thing we've ended up with so far, not to mention all the sensors, because you have to have camera sensors and everything else, you end up with these really bulky glasses that don't look interesting and quite honestly are uncomfortable to wear. This three-chip solution distributes it to where you can actually have more of a normal type of pair of glasses that could even be fashionable. Yeah, that's really the big thing, right? There's a couple of main challenges we're facing right now when OEMs are using single-chip solutions for these types of devices. One is there is a size consideration when you have a single chip solution. The other one is not necessarily weight because these things are fairly light, but it's weight distribution, not just of the chip, but of the surrounding PCB, the wiring, the whole nine yards. So what this is going to allow them to do is be able to distribute the different elements either on the frame or on the what, what they call the temples, which is basically the arms of the device and have it be nice and balanced. The other thing it'll do, you mentioned sensors and cameras, is you're able to reduce the wiring primarily on the wiring runs, right? So if it's a single chip solution, you would have to run all the wires back, regardless of where the sensors or cameras are sitting on the glasses, back to wherever the single chip device was. 
Now, with this distributed architecture, you can optimize the wiring run so that you basically only go the short distance and co-locate or at least locate closely the processor to the sensor or the camera. Now, we also have to reiterate that this is a platform announcement. This wasn't just chips. They also announced a development platform. So you want to go into that a little bit? I think these are important, especially as we get into these kinds of devices, because it's not enough to just have the hardware, Jim. You have to have the applications. You have to have a big ecosystem to help drive adoption, because just the hardware itself, it's basically just the glasses, right? But it's really what you can do with it that makes it really interesting. And that all comes with software and developing the software. Additionally, you know, even on the hardware side, they also had reference designs that were going to be available. And I think that's going to jumpstart and also democratize the development of these devices and the software that runs on them. This is going to be an open platform like everything else that Qualcomm does. It's going to give those third-party software developers an opportunity to develop for glasses just like they do for a smartphone or any other type of Qualcomm platform. Absolutely. And, you know, whenever you have a good development platform like that, we'll see how well Snapdragon Spaces, which is what they call this kind of development environment, does. But whenever you have something like that, it also allows developers to develop ones and then use multiple times in multiple tiers of devices. Now, they've already got a development platform, but your opinion, Francis, when do you think this becomes a potential reality? I think historically when Qualcomm's made some of these announcements, a lot of times they'll have already partners in the pipeline. So I would assume that we'll see some of the devices that are using this probably as early as potentially late next year, like the holiday season next year, 2023, or I'm pretty sure definitely by 2024, we'll see devices based on this. One key thing is not only obviously improving the technology for this, but also reducing the cost. I really, really hope that we start seeing these devices, you know, especially under $1,000. If they can get that even closer to, I think, like $600, that would really hit a major point. I mean, obviously, industrial guys, medical, all this stuff, they'll pay a lot more for it. But if we can get down to consumers, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, and I think if we really see the vision, pun intended, of what <laughs> AR glasses could be, <laughs> kind of like the watches, right? You'll have a tier set of products, one that is maybe more functional, then you could potentially have some of the fashion designers getting in on this with eyewear. It really depends on how well the AR2 Gen 1 platform kind of helps enable that more sleek form factor. And potentially, we might not get there with this iteration. Maybe there's one more generation before we get to where real fashion glasses coming out. But I think this is a great step towards that, breaking away from the SoC architecture into that distributed architecture. And some at Qualcomm have even gone so far as to say this is the future of personal computing. I'm on the edge there, I have to admit. I think this is important because, quite honestly, if we're still using this rectangular device we hold in our hand for 
personal computing in 10 years, I'm going to kind of be disappointed. To give people a feel for this, I mean, think about this. If, like Francis said, if you have a set of augmented reality glasses that's connected to the cloud, and there's a lot of things you can do, not just from external on the glasses, but internal. Actually doing eye tracking to actually be that your, your user interface. So you can actually, you know, swipe and do things and actually control things. And this could be very significant combined with audio. This could be your next generation personal computing solution? Well, I think personally, to me, as, especially as we go into the near sci-fi type timeframes, it, it's not going to be one device for personal computing. You're going to use the best tool for the job, I think, depending on what you're trying to do. Even now, some things lend themselves more to a PC form factor, some things lend themselves more to a tablet form factor, and some things will lend themselves more into this type of distributed architecture. There's so many great potential applications with augmented reality that you frankly couldn't do with any other form factors. I mean, one of the things that I would love, especially going into CES you know, in a couple of weeks, is having glasses that can zoom in and identify faces and then bring up to me their, their LinkedIn profile, right? Because <laughs> I know I've met that person before, but I can't for the life of me remember their name. I mean, it's like having, a, having your own personal assistant over your shoulder looking through your database to see who, who you're meeting. But I mean, even something like that, you couldn't do that with even phones. It would be too conspicuous. People would know what you were doing, right? I mean, you could technically put your phone up with your camera and it'll bring up, identify the face and all that stuff, but it's too conspicuous. With glasses, I think it becomes a reality. So I think it's the best tool for the job moving forward. We're gonna have the different form factors and we're gonna use them with whatever's easiest for us in our workflows. So you're saying you want augmented reality to augment your memory. <laughs> At this point, Jim, I could use it to augment my, my, my memory, my vision, my audio. I mean, it, getting old is horrible. So how exciting was that? We went to a conference mostly focused on smartphones typically and smartphone technology, and they did introduce a new Snapdragon Gen 8 Pi-N processor for smartphones. But we got most excited about the augmented reality. <laughs> Well, I think it's because we know the smartphone devices, they're going to keep marching on. And frankly, yeah, we haven't even talked too much about it, but the, the capabilities that are now going to be enabled in smartphones, it's just mind-blowing and amazing. We kind of know that evolutionary path and where that's going. What was so interesting about AR was this was a departure from how we've been thinking about the chipset architectures in mobile electronics with the distributed architecture not just with the electronics in the chipset, but also with smartphones. And I'll just put a little plug in here, Jim. About 10, 12 years ago, I worked on kind of thought leadership project where we posited this kind of device distributed architecture. And I think going back to the theme of best tool for the job, I think that's really where we're going. I like to call it the disaggregation of the smartphone. Sure. Yep, absolutely. And quite honestly, it's all these wearable technologies combined with networking technologies combined with cloud technologies. It's really going to be a disaggregation instead of trying to cram everything in one device. And it's not just the glasses. All types of wearables are really going to be interesting when you combine the sensors, the computing, and all these capabilities. It's going to be an exciting time over the next decade. Well, it's kind of funny. You almost needed that aggregation, right? Or the smartphone swallowed up five, six different devices from MP3 players to cameras to you name it. You kind of needed that. 
And then once it brought it in, regular person on the street learned how to use those things very well. The maturity of the general user of like a camera had skyrocketed past what it was before. So now they're starting to need things that professionals needed back then because they've become more mature and more sophisticated, for example, with cameras. So that's why you're seeing it kind of de-aggregating again because they're needing extra control and that extra sophistication. Evolution in technology and evolution in usage models. That's right. All together. That's right. Well, and if you want more information about this, two articles in Forbes on the announcements at the Snapdragon Tech Summit on the Snapdragon Gen 8 processor for smartphones, as well as this new AR chipset. And there's another one coming out in EE Times in early January. So just do a search on Tirius Research on any platform on Forbes or EE Times. You're going to get to that information. So with that, I, it brings us to a wrap of another Tirius cast. Please remember that Tirius Research is a market research advisory firm that provides custom research advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. We're very unique in the fact that we've got the technical expertise and the industry management expertise. We are basically the experts to the expert. If you want more information about Tirius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly. I'm at jim at tiriusresearch.com, francis at tiriusresearch.com, or our colleagues, Steve or Kevin at tiriusresearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S research.com. And you can also keep up with us through our Tiris cast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes, our articles on Forbes, EE Times, EE Journal, ECT News, and Microelectronics in Taiwan. We also have research and newsletters posted on our tiriusresearch.com webpage, and you can actually sign up for that newsletter if you want emailed to you. And we also have our social networking links, primarily Twitter and LinkedIn. We have a corporate one, which is at Tirius Research. We have at FSADECO for Francis, at Crewell for Kevin Crewell, at Steve Leibson for Steve Leibson, and at Tech Strategist. That's T-E-K Strategist for myself. Yes, I can't spell. I know. With that, thank you for joining us. Please have a happy and safe holiday, and we'll see you in 2023. <laughs>